Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. This, can you believe it? It's already Friday, June the 4th, a house divided. Oh, boy, here's some Latin expressions. E pluribus unum are ex uno pluris. What in the world is that, Brother Gurley? We can't do that in morning devotion. That's way too complicated for this early in the morning. I sort of agree with you. Victor, Corey Sterling, so good to see you. Jonathan, you're the first one I saw up this morning, and I'm happy to have each of you here doing life together, finishing the work week together. Let's finish strong, amen? Let's make this a Good Friday and see some great things happen. Thankful. I'm thankful for you. Thankful for this moment together each and every day, weekday, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Central. Others joining in. Some tell me I just can't get up that early, but I can get up at 7.30. So those join us right then all throughout the day, all across the world, every time zone. Thank you for being a part of this and being part of the Morning Devotion family. You make this incredibly special. You know the you know the drill. Like, share, follow the page. Share it with others. I'm going to tell you a story in just a moment of someone who has been sharing it and a remarkable testimony, and uh, I appreciate it. So, Linda, Mary, thank you for being a part of this. Vicki, it's good to see you, Jenny, all, all of you. I hope you sense the presence of the Lord and you sense us drawing nearer, nearer to his soon return and nearer together. A house divided, e pluribus unum, or ex uno pluris. I have to slow down on that. I mean, with my Southern draw, Latin really doesn't sound that good. All right. So I'm, I'm happy you're here this Friday, June 4th. Let's see what the Lord has for us today. I think we all know. We all know that we're seeing division as never before in our country. We just sense it. We sense that it's a division born of disillusionment, maybe a division born of distrust of all forms of authority. And at time, in the very moment, we should be breathing a sigh of relief that pandemic draws to a close. We're sensing a division like never before. And so permit me to address something today, a house divided, a pluribus unum or ex uno pluris. Some Latin phrases that I'll get around to in just a moment. Outside of Gettysburg, outside of the second inaugural speech, Abraham Lincoln made his third most famous speech in June 1858. It was a speech given on the evening that he was selected at the Republican State Convention of Illinois to be the Senate candidate to go up against Democrat Stephen Douglas. It is commonly called the house divided speech. Here he quoted the Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It was in Lincoln's speech that he attacked the compromises being made on slavery in new states and territories, that it was impossible to continue down the same path. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Lincoln said, I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. 
I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or the other. Either the opponents of slavery will arrest the further spread of it and place it where the public mind shall rest in the belief that it's in the course of ultimate extinction or its advocates will push it forward till it shall become lawful in all the states, old as well as new, north as well as south. This is a speech that caused Lincoln to basically lose that Senate race. This is the speech that caused Lincoln to win the presidency a couple of years later. A successful failure. That was Lincoln's speech. That was a story of his life. But look with me through the lens of that speech at our nation today, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. We cannot survive constantly at war with one another. We will not survive. America, we've been told, is a hate-filled place. America, we are told, is coming apart at the seams. And that very well may be the case in some instances and locales. But through the years, again and again, when America has been written off, she has arisen and she is united together. What we have seen, those is those who use a tool of division and those who do the enemy's work for free. For the forces that unite us are greater than the forces that divide us. Can I get a witness to that? Mary and Glenn, I believe that, that the light will shine in the darkness and the darkness will overcome it not. On this day, June 4th, 2021, I believe we need to be reminded again. I want to go on the record to say, I believe God has a different plan for this people, that God will show his glory. And God will make us strong again. So today, if you'll let me in this Friday, I just want to speak a few moments about the nation, the church at large, and about the power of unifying prayer. Oh, can I get a witness to that? Amen. On one side, this nation, on one side of our nation's currency is the motto, in God we trust. On the other side of our currency is a Latin phrase, e pluribus unum. It's found on the great seal. The eagle with spread wings holding a banner in its beak. This was the proposed motto in 1776 by none other than the likes of John Adam, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, e pluribus unum. An interesting phrase. There's 13 letters in that phrase. Each letter stood for one of the 13 colonies. The phrase means from many, one, out of many, one. The vision was this, that 13 individual sovereign states could unite, could come together as the United States to fight a tyranny, could stand together. Alone, they would be decimated. Together, they could stand. Now we live in a day where that vision seems quaint. We watch as individual rights and state rights are restrained and and, uh, strained. Polarization has become isolation and democracy is dismantled by disunity. Gone is the day when ideas can be spoken, examined, filtered, weighed, defied, challenged, confronted. And then at some point, agreement can be found. Gone are those days. I'll never forget when I attended the University of Houston years ago, I uh, plastered on the walls of the student center. I mean, it was about any organization you could imagine. 
leaflets would be handed out with one viewpoint or another. You couldn't walk across campus without encountering some rally for this cause or that cause. People standing on benches screaming and hollering. And we called it then free speech. Today, it's probably called a hate speech. Today, it's heretical to speak freely is to be canceled. To voice an opinion is to invite muzzling, to be deplatformed, some secret algorithm, algorithm looking for certain words. Uh, if you voice certain beliefs uh, that you can be deplatformed, authoritarianism has reared its ugly head in America. People who supposedly know better than you and me, know more than the word of God, trying to enforce their will upon others. In the year I was born, Ayn Rand penned her classic work, Atlas Shrugged. Now, granted, there's many things about her dark vision she got wrong, but something she got right is what George Orwell got right. It's what Aldous Huxley got right, was that authoritarianism blended with some sort of uh, imprimatur of scientific leak and governmental enforcement will seek to crush the common man and common sense. America cannot last as a house divided. It will fall. We look at D.C. and see the hardening of opinions and none dare to meet in the middle on anything. The middle of the road, they say, is for roadkill, or at least that's what we say down here in the South. So the goal of working together for the greater good, it falls by the wayside. I don't believe the answer is in D.C. I don't believe the answer is on Wall Street. For those with the money want to keep the money and moguls and oligarchs are worshiping mammon. But the love of money has never yet unified a, a country. So the answer is not Wall Street. The answer is not in our media or tech elite. They recycle the latest fad cause and issue, view themselves as trendsetters, but they're the ultimate followers of supposed trends and they lead America to downward and dark, dismal places. Hollywood doesn't have the answer. The answer cannot be found in all of our tech and scientific elites or in the sophisticated realm in the Ivy League. No, no, it can't be found there. The answer is found in that two-sided response. In God we trust and e pluribus unum out of many. One, that if we could elevate God, and if we could trust in God, then God can gather together. He is the center. He is the circumference. And from the one true and living God in our trust in him, all diverse elements will forge around him. He is the center. He is Lord. And we would find that single path forward. There's a curious expression in scripture. You may have noticed it. First Chronicles 1, it says there were two sons born to Abram. One of them was named Peleg, which means division. Division, because in his time on earth, the planet was divided. You see, we see Peleg first in Genesis 10, and indeed in his lifetime, Genesis 11, we find the division of the earth and all of the languages at the Tower of Babel. And here's what we learn, that when a people unify for the wrong reason, when unity becomes a weapon used of the adversary, that God will divide and scatter, rather than e pluribus unum, out of many one, that there is an alternate strategy. It becomes not out of many one. It becomes ex uno pluris, that out of one comes many, that division comes and people are scattered. 
Peleg, the division results. The language is divided. Some 7,000 languages in the world today. People talking in different tongues. Confusion results. Hear me carefully. Hear me carefully. It's interesting that there's one final mention of Peleg, division in scripture. And it's in Luke 3, the very genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find the name of Peleg once again. That where the division came through man, God is bringing a unity and God has a plan. And the plan for the ages is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only reconciler of all divisions in God we trust. If there's to be unity in this nation, it will be when we turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our hearts. America needs an awakening. In this book on prayer, the subtitle is An Invitation to an Awakening. America does not need a new strategy, does not need a new plan, does not need a new political party, does not need a new social media platform. America needs God. And when the people of God get off one bandwagon or another and focus our attention on the Savior, then we will see that awakening in America. So let me turn my attention from a divided nation to the church. You know, the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 14, for the body is not one member, but many. And then again, a few verses later, we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 20, but now there are many members, yet one body. Were two or three gathered together. Winnie, do you believe that? Agnes, do you believe that? Jim, do you believe that? Where two or three gather together. He's in our midst. I love illustrations of unity. You may have heard some of my illustrations down through the years, but I came across one that touched my heart recently. It happened in December 2017, pre-pandemic, a Jurassic era ago. 400 musicians gathered in Philadelphia to perform a symphony called the Symphony for a Broken Orchestra. It included amateurs, professionals, young, old, even members of the Philadelphia Orchestra joined in. The youngest was a nine-year-old cellist, and the oldest was, a, I think, an 86-year-old oboist. What's an oboe? I don't know. The most diverse orchestra in America gathered together, and each one of them held a broken instrument, an instrument from a public school that was broken, a trumpet held together with blue painter's tape, a violin missing a string, a cello that had to be carried in multiple pieces, public school instruments that had fallen into disrepair, and there was no funding to fix them. Some musicians could manage only an occasional squeak or squawk from their instrument. Somehow, The others made up for it. And on occasion, the symphony broke into a crescendo. Sometimes it descended into the squeal of a broken clarinet. But it was a symphony for a broken orchestra. And I believe that's what the church is. None sufficient within ourselves. None of us hit on all cylinders at all the time. But all of us trying to do what we can do. And somehow God blends it all together. And we make miraculous music. We make a 
majestic melody together. I think this is why one of the seven things, the, the eclipse, the, the, the epitome of what God hates, the seventh thing God hates, it's number seven is the person who stirs up dissension in a community. For it's in the community, in the fellowship, in the koinonia, it's in the many that we become one. And God despises a person. Let me just say it plainly. God hates the person. Did you hear that? God hates the person who turns unity into disunity, vision into division. God despises that person. You see, the only answer for this world is the church. And if the church becomes disunified, there is no hope for the world. We are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. It's in our Declaration of Independence that we are told that there are some God-given rights. They are unalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And they're given not by government, but by God. And then in the Constitution, we have that Bill of Rights as the preface to the amendments of the Constitution. God-given rights. It's as the church takes its rightful God-given place that we become the hands and feet of the Lord to our world, that we become the living, breathing embodiment, the body of Jesus Christ on this earth, individual members of one body, a pluribus unum, designed to impact this world. This is how it happens, folks. This is why it's so very important. When you and I unify, How long has it been since we had a concert of prayer, since we've unified in prayer, since we bound together in spirit and we've locked arms together figuratively and said, God and God alone must be trusted with our cries. We who are one body, that body can only survive if its members work together. If we work together in this thing, Opal, Bridget, Robin, we've got to work together. And if we work together, not only do we survive, but we breathe life into this nation. We speak life into a country, emphasizing death. If you were to take individual heart cells, they're infinitesimally small units of life. They unite to form your heart muscle. If you were to isolate them from one another, each of them would contract, each could beat. But they would beat to their own rhythm and would accomplish nothing. But if you bring those individual heart cells together, pretty soon, pretty soon they beat in symphony. They immediately synchronize in their contraction. Together they can form a heart muscle. They will bring life to the whole body. When we can unify, and I believe, I just believe this morning devotion group, that I'm speaking to the heart muscle. You're the heart of your marriage, the heart of your family, the heart of your community, the heart of your church family. You're the heart of your job. And as you beat together and as you work together and as we labor together in unity, that life-giving blood flows to the entire body, that everything you and I touch finds life because we unite together. We may be time zones apart. We may be in different continents. We may watch this at different times throughout the day. We may share this at different times, but somehow together, together I'm speaking to the heart muscle that brings life to everything you and I touch. Touch my heart this week. I told you I was going to tell you a story. I want to tell it to you now. 
one of the faithful members of this group said something to me the other day. He said, he said he shared this devotion um, and a high school classmate from 50 years ago started watching it. And now as he prepares for his 50th high school reunion, come to find out many of the people that will be at that reunion are now part of this morning devotion family. Talk about breathing life. Isn't that just like God? A single heart cell can't bring life. But those heart cells can join together to bring life. And as we join together, admitting our need one for another, that I need you, you need me, and we need to strengthen and encourage one another because we have a role to play to bring life to the shores of this world. Across the seven seas, across the seven continents, our world needs Jesus as never before. And I speak to individual members of the body of Christ that we need to unite for them to see Jesus in their midst. Many can unite to become one body. We can gather for a unified cause. That's God's purpose. Or one body can divide into many and we can separate to our own causes. And that's the enemy's purpose. We choose e pluribus unum or ex uno pluris. We choose to be used of God or used of the enemy. That enemy will speak with the forked tongue of division and long to separate you, to pull you apart. But this is where we have to lock our hearts and arms and say together, we are going to make a difference. We will not be a house divided. Abraham Lincoln ended that house divided speech with these fateful words, sooner or later. The victory is sure to come. It did. It will. I believe it with all of my heart. We cannot get divided in these last days. We cannot be distanced one from another. We must rally together, join forces, say, if God be for us, who can be against us? Hear me. Hey, morning devotion family, listen to me, Mike and Don and Jim. You were born for this moment. You were born to stand here. A house divided cannot and will not stand, but the inverse is also true, that a house united cannot fall. Take a moment, unite with each other, commit to praying one with another, and let's see God perform his miraculous power. Let's see the victory that is sure to come. God bless you. It's been a privilege being with you all week long. Leave some prayer requests out to the side. Encourage one another. Commit to one another that you're going to bind together in prayer for a specific need. And let's see some miracles happen. Let's see some prodigals come home. Let's see. Let's see what God has in store for us this weekend and in the days ahead as we get on the same page with God. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. Be blessed. Share this with others, and I look forward to seeing you again, God willing, come Monday morning. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.